Hello, brothers and sisters. Pastor Jason here. So good to be back with you here on this episode. I want to congratulate you all for listening. I want to thank you for your support. We've reached nearly 1,000 plays or downloads on the Podbean app. So we're excited about that. I'm going to have a special guest in here in the next episode or two to celebrate that. And uh, I just want to encourage you to go to our Facebook page and like that and share, even leave a comment on an episode maybe you've liked, or you can also rate us at the top for some of you who are familiar with the Facebook app. I want to talk to you on this episode about a question that's very common. A matter of fact, I've heard people say it's the reason that they cannot serve God. I've heard people say that it's a reason why they never could be a believer. So I think it's important that we as believers examine this question and remember uh, some of the things that I will share in this episode. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. There's been a lot of people expound on this topic, but I think that in this little episode of around 20 minutes, I think I can share and help you to be able to answer this question. And the question is how can a good God allow evil? Or also another part of the question can be, how does a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? And it's a very good question, and it's a question with a lot of implication. In other words, a question that, you know, a lot of times the preface of the question is, really, when someone asks that question, why did a good God let something bad happen to me? So it can be a very sensitive question because sometimes people are asking the question from the basis of, when I was a little boy, I was a little girl, something bad happened, and why did God allow that to happen? So first of all, when you answer it, you need to be sensitive to that and aware of that. But really, the the fact of the matter is, you know, C.S. Lewis used to say this. He would say, the first of all, when someone asks a question, we have to look at the presumptions that are in the questions, or we have to look at the things that are being said in the question, not just at the question. I think that's very good here. First of all, they're saying with their question that there is evil. And that's important. If they're saying there is evil, then that means there must be good. If there's not good, then there can't be evil, then it just happens. But the fact that they're saying that there's evil, that points to there must be a good. And then the second question to ask or to think about is, if there is evil and if there is good, then you could ask them the question, so do you believe that there's a moral law? And they may not understand that, but the truth is, if they're saying there's an evil, then there must be a good. And if there is a good and an evil, then that means there's some law that backs that up. There's some principle that's outside of ourselves that makes it seem as if there is good or there is evil. And that right there is actually pointing them to God, not away from God. And so then you say there is a good, there is an evil, there is a moral law because a moral law is just nothing more than, you know, we know in our hearts, we know in our minds that there is good and there is evil. We know that bad things happen. So if there is that law is in there, then also we know that there must be somebody that's outside of that that is determining or causing that. And so that in just a few minutes I've, I've shared there is a pretty simple way to get down, but they'll say, well, that's why I don't believe in God. Well, really, the fact of their question should point them to a God, not away. But, you know, not only is there why does God allow evil, but then the question is why do bad things happen? I heard someone, a friend of mine this last week said, Jason, he said, preacher, Jason, that's what he calls me. Preacher Jason, I want to know something. How come so-and-so passed away? He was a good man. 
and he died. This gentleman died of brain cancer. He said, that's something I'll never be able to understand. I know that's a difficult question. I know it seems bad, but I just simply answered with him. I said, Matthew 5, 45, and it says this. It says, for he hath make his son to rise on evil and on good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. And that's what I told him. I said, God sends rain on the just and the unjust. And he allows his son to rise on the just and the unjust because he's a just God. So that's the one of the simplest ways to answer the question is why do bad things happen to good people is the fact of the matter is, is that God cannot, in being just, he cannot punish all the evildoers and then allow all of the good people to be blessed. How just would he be? In other words, it would be like he was making people turn to him by blessing them only. But that's not God. God is just and he's merciful. By the way, some of the people that asked some of the people that asked this question have been given the most grace. In other words, people that are 40, 50, 60 years old that have walked against God, denied God their entire life, God has allowed them to survive, God has continued to bless them, has continued to give them family, has continued to give them even a great thinking mind. The grace of God has has loved them as much as the believer. And that's what's hard for them to understand. See, that was Pharaoh's problem. Do you remember with Pharaoh? The Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. You see, it wasn't the fact that God went down into Pharaoh's heart and turned his heart, but it was the grace of God that God was so good to Pharaoh, and he even allowed, when when he released the Egyptians, then God actually allowed him the free will and the grace to be who Pharaoh was, and that fact hardened him. It wasn't that God was trying to make him, you know, fall into a devil's hell. The fact was, is that the grace of God, the goodness of God hardened him. And many times people that are going against God, they know in their heart, the Bible says the law of God is written on their heart. They know in their heart that they are going away from God. They refuse to believe. They refuse to embrace. They refuse to say that there is a good God. And that very fact hardens them. You know, it's the two different types of soil. The sun will harden clay, but it also melts ice. The heart of man and woman is what needs to be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. But if we reject God and say there's not a God and there can't be a God, then the harder we get. And then the Bible says eventually we'll be turned over to a reprobate mind, to a hardened mind. But then not only do you want to talk about, you know, why does evil happen? You always have to bring whenever you're, this question is, you know, brought to us, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Many times it's people that are doing the harm to other people. Of course, we know there's calamity, there's storms, there's hurricanes, there's tornadoes that happens to people. And they'll say, how could God do this? But many times when people come to us and they say, why do bad things happen to good people? Or how come when I was younger? That's really the question. How come when I was younger, did God allow some other person to hurt me? And that is another question within itself. But really, it's kind of the same question, except for he. what, what they're saying is, is why wouldn't God stop this from happening to to me. So I had an abuser whenever I was young. That abuser came at me and abused me. Maybe they harmed me. Maybe they beat me. Maybe they molested me. Whatever it was, why would God allow that to happen? 
And the answer to that question is a little bit different in this way. You should then, if you can get that personal with them, if you can talk that intimate with them, which I encourage you, if you do have these discussions that you do listen to the Holy Spirit and ask him to help you with this. And if you should be so allowed to ask this question, you know what, you know, not just what happened, but did something happen to you when you were younger? Is that why you're asking the question? And they may say, yeah, they may say it's none of your business, but then I would point them to the Garden of Eden. I always say in these podcasts, you probably get tired of hearing it by now, but we have got to get back to the garden because the foundation of this question of how could an evil person harm me is really found. We can unpack that. The framework of it is in the Garden of Eden, and that's when God allowed Eve to partake of the fruit and then give the same fruit to Adam. And the thing is, is God allows us free will. And see, that's that's the case. That's what God allows. And the fact, the free will that these people, these uh, people that are against God, most of them, they're reject the idea of God, the same free will that he gave Adam Eve in the garden, the same free will that he's given them to reject God is the very essence of their question, is the very, uh, it's, the, it's the grace of God that he loves us so much that he, he gives us free will. He allows us the freedom to choose what we want to choose. And that's really the attribute of God. That is the greatest characteristic of God. God does not grab us by the back of the neck. He does not force us to do anything, but God allows us a free will. We are our own agent, though he wants us to serve him. He wants us to love him. He wants us to be blessed. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you this day, good or evil. Choose you, blessing or cursing. So it points to free will, and Adam and Eve chose to fall. They died spiritually that day, and God loved them so much, he wanted them to be in the garden forever. He wanted them to live a life without work, without labor pain, and just multiply and take care of the garden. That's what God's will was. But God did not use his supreme authority to force them to do anything, which is exactly what he's doing with this person that's asking this question. He's allowing them their free will. So then I turn it on them and say, well, the fact of the matter is, if God would have stopped that person from harming someone, then he would have, he could have stopped someone else for wanting to serve him. Which it would have basically the question self destructs. God of being who He is, and then also remember this. I always tell people I don't make the rules. I don't. I'm not the one who designed this whole thing. You know who is the clay to turn to the potter and then say, "What have you formed me for? Made me for? You know what are the rules to this? There are principles. There are rules in the kingdom of God that we have to accept by faith. And what the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please Him because it is faith. It's the very foundation of everything that God is. And if we choose by our free will to reject God, then we will not see God. That's the bottom line. I tell people often, and they normally look at me pretty strange at this question, I say, the only thing stronger than God is you. And of course, they, you know, if they believe in God, all the assumptions, you know, and the bells start going off, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong. But the truth is, is that just with our will, with our choice, we can push God away. 
He's, he's a gentleman, I've heard people say. Sure, he will try to work on us. Sure, he will try to show us things. Sure, he'll continually to speak to us. But the bottom line is, God is going to allow you to choose your destination. If you want to live a life away from God, this is the reality. God says, if you choose to reject me with your free will, I will allow you to do so. But remember this, friends, he does not do it without a consequence. Because he can allow you to reject him. He allowed Judas to reject him. Think about that. Judas Iscariot, right next to him, the inner circle, rejected him, refused him, betrayed him with a kiss and sold him out for silver. He allowed that to happen. But Judas, the end game for Judas was the devil's hell. You know, he hung himself, he killed himself. And then history tells us that after Judas hung himself, he fell. Then a wagon coming by ran him over and his entrails gushed out. I mean, that's the reality of what Judas's reality was. So Judas could have chose to sell him out. He chose, but he didn't have to. Someone else could have portrayed him. Sure, someone was going to portray him, but it didn't have to be Judas. But the fact of the matter is you cannot live your life against God and reject him and then not have a consequence. So keep turning them back to the idea that that there is a moral law, that there is evil, there is good. Some of the hardest people now, these theologians, if you will, these great thinkers of our time, they're really turning to the fact like, well, Stephen Hawkins, you know, he was one of the ones that said, hey, uh, you know, there basically there is no evil, there is no good. Well, he was a smart enough man to know that if he did say there was an evil, then there must have been a good. If there was an evil and there was a good, there must be a moral law giver. If there was a moral law giver, then it must point to a God. I mean, he knew that. So he basically rejected the idea. There's no evil. There's no good. And basically what he said, do you remember him? Uh, he was the one that was in a wheelchair and he had a voice synthesizer to where it would speak for him. But he said, basically, uh, Hawkins, he said, uh, the idea is that, you know, there is no really good or evil. There is no right or wrong. You know, we're just kind of here and we're pre-programmed. We're pre-programmed to where we just kind of go along with life and, you know, it's already down in us of who we are and who we're going to be and destiny's already. I mean, that is such a ridiculous idea of thinking. And listen, he was a very intelligent man, but what he did is he painted himself in the corner to ba- where basically his final closing statement in one of his uh, uh, speeches that I heard, basically his final closing statement was, we just will not even exist. I mean, and, and this kind of thinking that there, you know, that there is no God, it does the same thing. It paints us into a corner. It paints us into a corner to where there's no existence. Hey, we're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. God has placed us here to experience salvation, but also he's placed us here to take care and to encourage one another. He's placed us here to when evil does happen. Let me let me shift here into another direction. Um, I heard a, a friend of mine, we were eating last night, and he said that his father had MS, and he had no feeling in his legs. And he said, it, you know, it was it was very drastic, very fast that it happened, but his father contracted uh, this horrible disease, and he it was very fast, very acute, and all of a sudden, within literally months, he couldn't feel his legs. He couldn't feel anything from chest down. He couldn't feel one thing. And he was in his wheelchair one day, and he ran into the wall, and when he did, it hit his toe. It hit his big toe and broke his toe. But he looked down because he felt the pain. For the first time in months, he felt the pain. 
and it was broken. All right. And he thought, Oh my goodness, I can feel my toe again because he hit the wall. It's something happened when he felt that pain that caused it. They hit that wall to cause him to be able to feel the pain. And he was so encouraged knowing he was hurt, but just the fact that he could feel the pain and he looked at his toe, this is the testimony. He looked at his toe and his father since their past, but his son was telling this story and he looked at it and thought I can wiggle my toe. And the longer he looked at it and thought about it and thought about it, finally he could wiggle his toe and they were so excited. And it began an eye uh, process of him rebuilding to where he could then walk again and feel again. And he got several more years, I think 10 plus more years out of his life because he could feel the pain. See, this question is kind of like that. The Instead of looking at if why did God allow something bad happen to me, why don't we look at it the other way? Why doesn't someone look at it the other way? That because something was painful in my life, could God use that very same thing to turn me to him? And that's really, that's really in the wisdom of God. When pain happens, when something bad happens, actually it's something that points us to him, not away from him. But the devil is a master at what he does. He sows seeds of discouragement. He sows lies into our life. He sows and sows and sows and tells us there can't be a God. There can't be a God when God actually the other way around. He wants it to point us back to him because in his infinite wisdom, he created us with pain and he allowed free will in this world. But everything he's ever done has never been meant to point us away, but point us to him. And friends, I'm so encouraged that our God loves us so much. He allows us to have pain. And when we embraced, I don't know how many people, when they've embraced their pain, when they've embraced their hurt and they've embraced our God, they've seen how God is able to get them through that pain, through that problem, through that struggle. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. And by the way, when we experience pain, when we experience loss, we are able then to connect to other people in their pain. The Bible says we have a high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. That scripture in Hebrews, when it says we have a high priest that can be touched with our feeling of infirmity, that word being touched, actually, if you study the word out in the Hebrew word, it actually means to be connected. So it's not like when something bad happens, we're disconnected. But the Bible says that we're able to be touched. We're able to touch that high priest. So in our pain, in our hurt, in our abuse, in our tough situation, the fact of the matter is that allows us to be connected with the master. The Bible says that he's closest to the broken hearted. And so we know that if we're broken, if we're hurt, he's right there. We can refuse to reject him. You can say he's not sitting beside me all you want, but he is there, friends. I encourage you to turn to the master and accept that he's there in your pain. He wants to connect with you. He wants to embrace you and he wants you to embrace him. And that's where healing starts is when we know that the very pain that we've suffered points us to him. A matter of fact, the devil thought he would bring pain into this world. He thought he'd bring death into this world. And the devil thought, I will sow this into Eve. I'll talk her into falling spiritually. He knew that something bad, that she would die spiritually. The devil knew that. But 
But in the devil thinking he won, he didn't win because what the devil did was when he allowed something to die, when he allowed someone to hurt, when he allowed them to be kicked out of the garden, he actually not only did they die spiritually, but he used that, that God turned that on a dime on the devil and turned that around. And now that very thing the devil meant for evil, God turns around for good. So our pain is actually not a bad thing, but our pain and our hurt and our free will points us to the good thing, which is God. Now that's a wisdom of God. That's how good God is. And the devil can never win. God is not, he's never going to be outsmarted. The devil thought he had God on the cross when he crucified him. And three days later, he rose again. And the devil is a liar. The devil was beat. The devil was trumped. And every time the devil tries to to win, God wins against him. The devil's been defeated. It's been won. All we have to do is trust and believe that we have a God. We have a heavenly father that in his infinite wisdom, he allows evil to happen. He allows bad things to happen to good people. But that very thing points us to him. And he wants to embrace us in that pain and in that hurt and that heartache. Friends, I hope this word's been good to you. Until next time, God bless.